Welcome to another episode of Adoption, The Making of Me. I'm Louise Brown. And I'm Sarah Reinhardt. Make sure to find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as Adoption, The Making of Me podcast. Please remember to subscribe, share, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, Louise. How are you today? I'm good. And here we are in season two. I can't we believe it. it. Woo! I know. We need some champagne in we our do. closets. <laughs> Non-alcoholic champagne for me. Right? <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> true. I'll, do, I'll join you in that. So we are on to Journey of the Adopted Self, A Quest for Wholeness by Betty Jean Lifton. And we, as we say, don't cheat. We just go chapter to chapter on our podcast. And this blew me away last night, actually. Me too. I didn't think I wanted to move on from Nancy. You know, like I'm cheating on Nancy. No, I'm like, wow. I know. I think Nancy was inspired by her, wasn't she? I think she was. And I think they became quite good friends. Which We're is talking funny. about Nancy Verrier for yes. anybody who's just. Uh... I think that became a neat story between them, their friendship, as I remember. Anyway, so we're on chapter one. It's called Betwixt and Between, which I loved. I'm just going to read the little quote at the beginning because we'll all see where it came from. Then I shan't be exactly human, Peter asked. No, what shall I be? You'll be betwixt and between, Solomon said. And certainly he was a wise old fellow, for that is exactly how it turned out. And that's from James Berry, Peter Pan in Kensington Gardens. So right away, I was like, oh, here we go, because I loved Peter Pan as a kid. Mm-hmm identifying with it. But I think starting out, I really like number one, that she's an adoptee. Yes, I do too. And because she really, I felt like, oh, she is seeing into our souls because she's one of us. Yes. And it is, it is a big switch in that way. And I also, she didn't come to this like from a young age going, oh, I'm adopted. I've got to figure it out. It's like you and I, Mm -hmm. she came to this later. And I yes. thought I really related to her like right away. I was taken in by this, like comparing it to Peter Pan denied the right to see their real birth certificates in the name of those who brought them into the world. They can't be sure they ever had a real birthday. They can never grow up because they are always referred to as an adopted child. Is that crazy? I know. And she said in this also, I had come from somewhere else, a place shrouded in mystery, a place that like myself was betwixt in between. Mm hmm. I thought it was so talented how she pulled in Peter Pan and this whole analogy. Cause it really was like, was the writer of Peter Pan adopted? <laughs> I feel like we need to look it up. <laughs> I know. And, and there's just, um, she's a great writer too. I mean, she's, she's a great writer. She, she released books prior to this. So, I mean, she's, she's really a, a good writer. Yeah. Here's, here's the one part at the very beginning on page four that I wanted to start with. Cause I thought you and I would really dig into this. She was told by her mother, she was adopted, but not to tell around age seven, not mm-hmm. to tell the father, her adopted father, because it would break his heart if he knew she was adopted. No, you know, he this, knew she was adopted, but right. if he knew that you know, she, she knew, knew. Yes. yes. <laughs> like he wanted it, you know, he didn't ever want her to know it's just my little girl. Okay. That's all fine and good. But so she starts off in this way. I learned that secrecy and adoption were inextricably mixed as a witch's brew by becoming a keeper of the secret. I was to collaborate in the family conspiracy of silence. And I didn't know that our little family secret was connected to the big secret in the closed adoption system. Right. Just as our little conspiracy was connected to the larger social conspiracy around adoption. Also comparing it to the secrets like around alcoholic families and divorce and incest and all the other things that family members are prone to hide from their neighbors and from one another, you know, just makes me think of that movie, two secrets and lies from a long time ago. Remember that? I love that movie. Yes. Um, I have to revisit that now. Yes, I am too. It just made me think of that. Here's something Mm -hmm. that I completely identified with and had never really had the kind of words for this, but she said she hadn't, she had no idea of all the secrecy as a child. So having repressed her real feelings, here's her words, having repressed my real feelings, I was not consciously aware of my pain. And as a consequence, I was not consciously aware of myself, Mm. except as someone unreal pretending to be real. I did things that my human friends did, even looked real in my high school and college graduation pictures and in the photographs taken at my wedding. 
perhaps I might never have been in touch with my real feelings if shortly after my return. Anyway, she gets into a, a whole story, but that's, I Huge. totally relate to that. <laughs> like She just nailed it on the head, right? Yeah. It's so, you know, it's really only been since we've done this podcast and coming out of the fog for myself. I mean, I would, I, I've said this before, I would pay lip service to my yes. adoption having affected me, but I didn't really connect it. I, and still sometimes I conflate like, was it my adoption? Well, this part hit me about her adopted parents. She was feeling guilty because she was talking about her trauma. As she gets older and her parents have deceased her adopted parents and she loved them. She was in a good relationship with them, but she had guilt still writing this book, Yes, talking about it. And it felt really nice that like someone who could write a book on it also had those feelings like having guilt. And I just remember she said she didn't want to search because she'd hurt somebody. And you and I've talked so much about right, that. And I think they're, I think adoptive parents because of their own grief and loss, then they do put that on their children. Like, you know, yes. you're my baby, yes. you're my child, you're my daughter. And I mean, frankly, that's just not true. They right. were someone else's baby that you took into your life and, you know, provided a life for good or bad, happy or sad, but yes. that is the truth. It is uh, the truth. But we are, are made to, you know, purposefully or not to have a guilt if we want to know who we are. It's just bizarre. It's it just is bizarre. bizarre. And it's your, the thing that she really tackles in this, and I don't know, because we haven't read the whole book, is closed adoptions, what you and I went through. Mm -hmm. So we do know adoption. There's many types of adoption, different adoptions. Adoption has changed. But the closed adoptions you and I went through, I think it was almost like told to parents, you know, you're a family now it's don't bring up the other thing. Yes. Yes. It and was. I think, I think so too, because how she was even saying it, her parents said what my parents would say, there was no room to ask. It would be really uncomfortable. If I asked, I remember being little and saying things like, well, what did my mom look like? And I'd use the word mom, you know, you're little. So what did my mom look like? And everyone would shut that down pretty quick. Mm -hmm. You know, she was this good person and move on. It is. I, I remember, you know, and I'm sure my dad was like overwhelmed with his own life, but asking questions and him being more like, Sarah, I don't know. Yeah. You know, that, that irritated, irritated, <laughs> which maybe was just disinterest or I don't being know. Male dealing with all those things back in the, that era or, or just it, not even wondering himself. Well, he has told me, you know, he was very, very overwhelmed in those years. And, you know, that at one point realizing I was too old for him to have to give a bath. And, you know, so I think he just didn't, I think he was just sleepwalking through having yeah. these four young children on his own. And the message you got as a kid, because they are going through their thing, but the message you got was, I don't know, you know, that's, I you shouldn't even ask, the whole, like, like, why do you care? My dad very much is a person and maybe because the mistakes of the past are too painful to face, but he is very, he will not engage in conversations about our past. He's just like, it's over, move on. Things are good now. You know, yeah. there is no room to discuss anything from the past. So I think it could have been part of that, you know, yeah. just move on, look move forward. On. Don't look yeah. back. There's yeah. no point in looking back. Yeah and tough up, <laughs> you know, my story. So when I did tell my dad, you know, that my biological family found me, he was really big on the, mm -hmm. they weren't supposed to, those records were supposed to be sealed. And she talked about that, how that was the promise that those records would be sealed Yeah, for life. They said they were for, for life. life. Yeah. And in Colorado, I think they're still arguing that for life. But the thing is, is that's not what happens to people. People want to know who they are. And that's the, she talks about, you want for someone, like you said, the lost self part, until you know kind of where you're from or who you are, you don't have a true sense of self. Mm -hmm. So that's why adopted people are so good at being chameleons and being the good girl. She was the good girl. She said, I'm, I, I was the good girl. I wasn't the good girl. <laughs> <laughs> but you were when you were little. I, I mean, think, again, you know, yes. it's hard to... <laughs> distinguish all the we would have hung out by the way <laughs> <laughs> here but she does say this cumulative adoption trauma begins when 
they are separated from the mother at birth, builds when they learn that they were not born to the people they call mother and father, and is further compounded when they are denied knowledge of the mother and father to whom they were born. Mm. Yes. Further compounded. I mean, because then you're in the, in the Shasta says, she's not going to speak to adoption games in here. She's speaking to ghosts. Did mm-hmm. you find that interesting? Yes. That all the ghosts that, that all the, the ghosts carries. It's a ghost story for it tells the, that ghosts that haunt the dark crevices of the unconscious and trail each member of the adoption triangle, parents and child alike, wherever they mm-hmm. go. One yeah. thing, one thing we skipped over that I don't know that our last book addressed this as much. She did address that the adoptive parents, why the child is going through grieving of losing their biological mother as a baby. The adopted parents are going through grief that maybe that's not their biological child. Mm-hmm. Oh, all three have grief. I don't know that I've thought of that like that in the, in that way. I, yeah. I don't know that I, I have either. The one other thing she said is her, her um, birth mother and all birth mothers, they go away with the scarlet S right of shame. And they're, it's the most traumatic part of their lives that they're never supposed to discuss with anybody. Mm-hmm. And that's like the they, just think of it. It's just this is an unhealthy thing completely. All <laughs> <laughs> I never really looked at Secrets. it like all this. You know, you can't talk about anything. Hold your pain, and we are we're supposed to be happy. We're yes. we're supposed to be lucky and grateful, and yeah. I can't really wait to dig in. It's I just, know me it's too. Such I'm a excited. rich book, and the next chapter that we'll move on to is called the mothered motherless self. So I love it. I, I'm excited to dig in and try to follow along with us in this one now that. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. And reach fun. out to us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. And just uh, also we have a TikTok. We're, we're going to. Oh, we have a TikTok. Pay more attention. To- <laughs> <laughs> we're getting into TikTok. Please go to at the making of me podcast on TikTok. We have yeah. one, one, one video, <laughs> but we will have more. <laughs> we're kind of learning how do we, you know, make it look cool to have a TikTok. So anyway, we're excited about our guest. Yes. Yes. I think we think you're going to like him. We like him a lot, we, a lot. All right. See you soon. See you soon. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Louise and I talked about it for months and we were intimidated until we heard about Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is hands down the best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple, Spotify, Google, and more. Podcasting isn't hard. Believe me, if Louise and I could figure it out, anyone can. We got a mic, some headphones, parked ourselves in our closets, and that was it. Buzzsprout did the rest. You get a great looking podcast website and you can track all of your analytics to see how your podcast is doing. So if you follow the link in our show notes, it lets Buzzsprout know we sent you and you get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. And bonus, you help support our show. Hi, I'm just going to break in here. As a friend of the podcast and a fellow Patreon, I want to join Louise and Sarah in thanking everyone who has reached out. Frankly, I've been astounded at the number of listeners from across the world who have shared their unique stories with our podcasters. I believe in the healing power of stories. As a Patreon, I've found such pleasure in supporting the podcast and in seeing how adoptees find their people. I know how much Louise and Sarah are moved by each Patreon support. Their immediate goal is to be able to air the podcast weekly rather than bi-weekly. Eventually, they would like to advocate for more effective ways of adopting children. If you would like to support this important work, either once or in an ongoing way, simply go to patreon.com, then in the search bar, type adoption colon the making of me. Thank you all, each in your own way, for bringing us together. And now let's rejoin our hosts. Here we are again, and I'm happy to introduce our next guest. He listens to our podcast and had made a comment on something on Facebook. 
So I just reached out and said, do you want to talk about your adoption? So here we are with Matt Lawson. Matt, hi. Matt. Hi, thanks for having me this evening. Thanks for me to have you. So we just kind of want to ask your story. Like, what's your adoption story? And start from the beginning. Tell us all about you. All right. Well, kind of like probably many adoptees, I've always known I've been adopted ever since I could kind of comprehend what adoption meant and everything like that. Had a good upbringing. Never really had a inclining to search out my biological family. I think part of that was didn't even know how. Back then in the 70s and the 80s, where would you even start? But no, I had a, a loving family around me. So, you know, I never really thought about it. And were you adopted at birth? Yes, I was placed. It was probably about, what, about five months after my birth. So yeah. got a lot of that information when I got all my packet from the state of Wisconsin. So it had a lot of the notes from the social worker and things like that in there. So kind of got a lot of background information from there. And you were born in Wisconsin, but you don't live in Wisconsin now. No, I'm over in Minnesota. Okay. Yeah. All but right. I still have a lot of my adoptive family is over in Wisconsin. Okay. But in with that, there was always some curiosity, I guess, because being darker. And at that time, my adoptive mom and dad really didn't know my background. They knew it was Spanish, but that was about it, what the state told them. Just the non-identifying information is all you right. have. Yeah. Right. And being dark complected and them being... Norwegian, Scandinavian, you know, I was definitely different, you know, like family pictures and things like that. So you always have that little inkling in the back of your mind, just, okay, who am I, where am I came from? Those types of questions, but never really thought about it probably until college. I was living in Memphis, Tennessee, and then moved to Nebraska to go to college. And probably, as you know, when you go to college, you get exposed to so many different people. Mm -hmm. Yeah backgrounds and things like that. And all of a sudden, it maybe kind of opens your eyes a little bit because people ask you like, okay, you know, where are you from? You're dark complected. Are you, you know, are you Mexican? Are you yeah. Puerto Rican? Are you Cuban? Or, and you're like, I don't know. So you talk about being dark complected and your parents being Northern European, your adoptive parents. How yes. do you feel that difference affected your childhood? particularly where you grew up. Yeah, especially growing up in Wisconsin. So a lot of Germans and <laughs> Scandinavians, Norwegians, that it was tough to say the least, especially when I was little. I mean, granted, I knew I was adopted from when I ever could figure out what adoption meant. Just trying to understand why am I darker than my mom and dad? So when we go places, they'd introduce me as this is our son and you get these inquisitive looks like, oh. mm. you know, and kids are kids. They can be cruel at times, you know, are you the gardener's kid? Are you the milk mm. kid? Things like that. And at that age, you know, five, six, seven years old, you really don't know truly what that means. So you, they actually would use racial slurs like that? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was tough because then you would say something to people and they're like, oh, you know, just they don't mean anything by it. Don't right. take part. Don't listen to them. It doesn't mean anything. And it's like, well, you know, it kind of does because I am different than you. But what do those words mean, too? Especially at that young age, you don't know what it means. And you're not relating maybe to your past because you don't know what your past is. So you right. say, you know, am I Mexican? Am right. I you know, Colombian or, you know, and truly finding out being Puerto Rican, but just didn't even know what my heritage was. Yeah. So you kind of question those types of things and grade school got better as I got into sports and you kind of build a bond with some people. And then my dad got transferred with his job, my freshman year down to Memphis, Tennessee. Mm. So 1985, still uh, <laughs> definitely different than it is now. Memphis, especially is more of a melting pot because of international paper, Coke, FedEx. So it's a lot more people from out, kind of like Atlanta, a lot more people out mm -hmm. south than from originally there. But back then it was definitely to say it was tough, especially when they'd see my parents, you know, from, you know, going to baseball practice, hey, mom and dad. Oh, really? Uh, okay. So again, in the south during that time frame, you know, it was, it was tough just meeting people and getting to have some friends. So luckily, again, being good at baseball and other sports that helped me kind of get a social network. But still, it was 
you know, you're always wondering, you know, where you came from, why are they calling me that? It's just, yeah, it was, it's tough. And especially teenage years, as you know, those are some of the hardest. Yeah. And it's, it's that adoption thing that anyway, that one has where we don't have a mirror, we don't yes. have that DNA connection. And so there's no, it's just a bizarre thing, really. Just, oh, it is. And sometimes you just didn't even feel like you, you kind of fit in with your own family and you look different. Your mm-hmm. personality is definitely different. I'm more the talker. You're right. That was me, me. too. And, <laughs> yeah. Sarah and I. You know, if you look at my stepbrothers and my dad and them, very quiet. You mm-hmm. know, my dad said one time his dad and his brother were sitting on a porch one day, and I think they said five words to each other in a couple hours. And well, that was a good conversation. <laughs> that's so funny. That's kind I, of I their have, personality. I have a picture of, I mean, this was from like two and a half years ago when my son and I went to visit at my dad's, you know, my adoptive family. And it was my dad, my brother, and my son all sitting there. And I took a picture of them just all staring off into space. <laughs> <laughs> my son and I talk, 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 yep. you know, but, but my family doesn't It's always hard deep. just, you know, family events, you know, just kind of fitting in or yeah. going to church and people around you are looking at you like, well, that even college was tough just because I went a thousand miles away to school and just trying to figure out, I think, who I was at that yeah. kind of was in some dark places for a while, just trying to figure all that out. Who I was, you know, am I making my adoptive family proud or, you know, when you do something stupid and just who I truly am. So luckily I got through all that and found a great wife and great (laughs) families, but yeah, it just, it took me to, I think, really get in a dark place to kind of pull myself out and just create my own life until I found out what my background was and where it came from. In college, you know, I joined a fraternity and you have what, 28, 30 guys that are in your pledge class that ultimately end up being a little family also. Mm-hmm. Everything together and you watch each other's backs. So I think, you know, that helped some too. Did you ever discuss the racial issue with your parents? Not really. It's one of those, is it going to really do any good? And they don't really understand those types of things. So it was one of those things I just, Kind of like as you're a guy, you're expected to just deal with it. Problems come up, you just deal with it. You don't complain to anybody or talk to you know your feelings or anything like that. It's and not that they had said that, but it's just kind of in society in general. You're a guy; you should be able to take care of you know all those things. Put that on your shoulders and be able to deal with it. So that's luckily it seems that that's a person. that's changing. It seems hopefully you know, yes. These labels of, I hope, yeah. Especially because even seeing a counselor, that was a big thing for me to do too, is, you know, that stigma of going to see somebody to talk to. Yeah, it's big. You have a mental problem? No, I don't have a mental problem. It's just (laughs) a lot of things going on. I don't know how it got to where mental health isn't considered part of your your overall health. I mean, it's the biggest part of your health. It really is is, because your mental health can affect the rest of your health. I oh, remember sure screaming at an insurance agent one time when they wouldn't cover my, what do you mean? It's because, it's, you know, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. The stress, depression, all that takes care, you know, yeah. a lot of your, out of your body in general. So I think that's where some of those things kind of start, they got planted in my head of maybe thinking about looking, but it really came on more when I got married and we had a kid. And I think this is a very common theme with adoptees. Yes. Mm-hmm, for sure. Office with your newly born baby and they're asking, okay, so heart disease, diabetes, cancer, you know, just listing and you're like, I don't know, don't know, don't know. <laughs> you're like, okay, maybe at least get the non-identifying health information. So that's kind of the route I went. I went to the state of Wisconsin. You can get that information by applying because all my parents knew, at least from the information that they had was the family was perfectly healthy and that was about it. So were were they supportive, your adoptive parents about you looking? Yes, they were very supportive. There really wasn't any pushback or anything like that. And they've been great through this whole process, which has been really good is having that support. Yeah. Because you never know what you're going to find either. Yeah. (laughs) So having that support when things aren't that great is always good too. And you have a sibling, right? Or two siblings? I actually have, like on my birth mother's side, I have what, four half siblings. 
Fine. What about like growing up with, did you have? I had two half siblings and that was a little bit different. Do you mean adopted siblings or? Yeah, they weren't. They weren't blood. Siblings. They were my dad's sons. from. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, they were ha- in fact half siblings. Okay. Yep, gotcha. So they were half siblings. Gotcha. But the big thing there was huge age difference. So they weren't even in the house when I was brought into the home. They were already 18. Oh, yeah. 19. So never really had that experience of hanging out with siblings, doing the regular sibling things that you would growing up. They were already, by the time I could know who they were, they were already married. Wait, can I clarify? Yeah. When you say half siblings, that usually implies blood. These were not your blood siblings. No, they're not. They're not okay. blood. They're just, they, your dad was married prior to him marrying, correct. and then they adopted you. And those correct. those two siblings were much older. Gotcha. Right. Just wanted to clear yeah. that up. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that was always one thing that... So, I really grew up as an only child. As yeah. a an only child, really, for yeah. the most part. Yeah. And honestly, I would say some of my... To be called really siblings were my nieces and nephews. Because they mm. be what five to eight years difference. Oh yeah, that's so. <laughs> we did a lot of things together, but you know, it's like, oh, I, Uncle Mac. Okay, <laughs> Uncle, but we're about the same age, <laughs> so that was always kind of different. Just because my adoptive parents were older when they adopted. Okay, and so and then you went off to college, and then and you married your wife. Then what happened? Yep. And you had your baby, and yep. So that was, that's kind of where everything kind of started going down that rabbit hole of getting the information. So sent off that information to the state of Wisconsin, got the packet back and wasn't really expecting any surprises. It was just trying to see maybe if it gave me a little background as far as where the birth parents came from, any little bit of health history, because you knew pretty much most of that stuff was going to be blacked out with a a Sharpie. Yeah. You really weren't going to get much information. But I still remember it. I opened the packet and I start reading the first couple pages in the entryway and about drop the packet. It just says in one of the interview questions talking to the birth mother, she made the comment she never told the birth father she was pregnant because she didn't want to get them back together just because of a baby. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there going, oh, Yeah. <laughs> a birth father who doesn't know I exist. And they were together as a couple, which isn't always yes. the case. And that's the funny thing is reading through all this information, you know, it wasn't a affair or one night stand or anything like that. They were actually engaged. She flew down to Puerto Rico to meet his family, very much involved. Even in the packet, I had a lot of information about my birth father. I knew his birth date, his height, weight, wow. how he was working, his parents' birth years, his siblings' birth years. So wow, that's a lot of information. Information, just no names. And especially on his side, because he didn't know. So none of that information was in the paperwork. And what did it say? What was your birth mom's background? And he was obviously Puerto Rican. Now we know that. Yes. So <laughs> at the time, he was working at Xerox. She was an account exec at the Peace Corps. Oh. So she was back in the States for a time from a trip from the Peace Corps. That's how they met. and then. Ultimately got engaged, went down to Puerto Rico. And then from what I gathered from the paperwork, things just weren't working out. Kind of a few things that were written in the report was some personality traits about the birth father, some of the things that he enjoyed. So one of them was reading, target shooting, but also it said moody. Hmm, moody. What I found out later was, especially it was the late 60s, early 70s, he was a sniper in Vietnam for two years. Ah, oh, so PTSD. So that moodiness. <laughs> that moodiness good old moodiness. <laughs> was more than likely PTSD. And right. But ultimately split them apart. So yeah. at that point, I'm reading through all this going, okay, well, I guess I changed my mind from just wanting health information to now wanting to know. Yeah. Especially wanting to know your story. Yes. And especially being a dad, if I would father a child, I'd want to know, you know, I want to be able to be in that child's life, no matter what the circumstances were. Yeah. So, or yeah. have the option, you know, no. Oh, yeah. Just and be told. So took that information. I did a lot of searching and that was back. That was 99, 2000. So just kind of the tip of the internet. So I was getting on some forums that were adoption church related. 
So kind of just started asking some questions and trying to get some information and was able to find a group out of Wisconsin. It was called iCares at the time. And that's what they did for the state of Wisconsin is research people's adoption records. And they had a system where they could tell the typeset based on that. Because when you got the paperwork, it just basically was one line through the letters. So you had pieces of letters below and above the line. Uh They figured out a system based on the typewriter that was used to figure out those letters and come up with interesting. That's crazy. Cool. Wow. (laughs) So I'm looking at this. I'm like, okay, go for it. (laughs) Good luck. If you can, great. If not, you know, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Within a week, they had her name, social security number, current address. Wow. Her siblings, obituaries for like her parents and her brother. I'm like, oh, you know, a little overwhelming, but exciting at the same time. Yeah. And was she living close to you or was she in Wisconsin? No, she was in Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, Mm. yeah. So quite a bit of ways. So my first thought was, I'm like, well, should I write a letter? Should I call? And the salesman in me, I'm like, well, I'm just picking up the phone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing like a cold cold call. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So it's like, yeah, I'm used to it. So I went that route. Short conversation. We talked for maybe about five minutes. And it was Was she surprised to hear from you? And yes, she kind of said, Well, I thought this day may come, but then it kind of got cold real quick after that. So it was pretty much, Well, are you healthy? Are you happy? Are you successful? I mean, just kind of random questions. And with that, and she's like, Well, I've got family over, so I can't talk any longer, but write me a letter and I'll I'll get back to you. Like, okay, that's great. I'm sure there's a lot of information she's pro- like, she's, oh, it's exactly, like, especially to get blindsided, you yeah. know, phone call. Yes. So, I've had that call a different way. It's a weird thing to get a call. Oh, like it, like, it oh. is. It is. And, and I think about it now, the letter route would have been probably a much better route to go <laughs> just to kind of be able to take it all in, not be taken off guard. Yeah. So wrote the letter, put some pictures of myself, my wife, our daughter in there, kind of just a brief, history of my life, those types of things, and mailed it off. Didn't hear anything for maybe three, four months. Oh, wow. That's a while. Yeah. So I decided, okay, well, I'll I'll write another letter just to say, hey, hope things are well. Really just at this point, maybe just look for some health information. Was this airmail or email? This was airmail. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. No, I didn't have an email for her. So yep, just airmail. So about another month later after I sent the second letter, I get a card in the mail, very short. And it was, dear Mr. Lawson, thank you for reaching out. And that was one of those. Mr. Lawson, Mm, that's painful. Yes. So you already know right off the bat where this is going. He doesn't want a relationship. And it's like, hey, I get it. That's fine. You've made that decision in your past. And now the past is coming back. And I, I mean, I get it. You've moved on. So no hard feelings or anything like that. So she said, a little bit of the health history that we had. And then she says, please don't contact me anymore. I'll hmm. you. Oh, I'll contact you. And how did you, were you surprised how you felt about it? I was, I guess, a little frustrated, especially coming from my birth mother. You know, you would think even just wanting that motherly instinct, just kind of wanting to know things and just being a little more receptive. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was tough. It was definitely a hard pill to swallow. Well, it's the, another rejection. It's like, well, yes. And as, you know, <laughs> adoptees the, go through yes. rejection all the time or mm-hmm. of rejection. A lot it, of our decisions it, it, and it, things yeah. we say are all about rejection. And that just confirmed your worst nightmare of. Oh, yeah. It's like, okay, I reach out and yeah, yeah right off. Yeah. The bat. And I'll go retreat into my shell. Yep. And that's oh, a bad. Yes. Yeah, that's and exactly right. I was a shy person. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you. Anyway, yeah, about, about very much so. So not until later in life, once I got to college and things like that, that completely came out of my shell and kind of find out that now my personality is very much like my birth father's was. So mm. kind of that whole interesting genetic type thing. You mean so, moody? No, I'm not. Oh. <laughs> Definitely not moody. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> so with that, I kind of just, like, okay, well, where do I go? There was an aunt that was listed that was still alive. 
on your birth father's side, you mean? Or no, this birth- was on, okay. this was my birth mother's side. So okay. So I decided to go that route. I'm like, well, maybe I'll just reach out, send her a letter. Maybe she knows the birth father's name. If the birth father doesn't want to have anything to do with me, great, fine. But at least I think the birth father should have a chance to know. So I reached out to her and I get a letter back and definitely a different letter than what I got from my birth mother. Kind of excited tone to it that I was waiting for this day to come kind of thing. And also said she was the one who actually held me in the hospital. So my mother didn't and my grandmother didn't, but she did. So she's like, I was the one who held you before we gave you over for foster care. So, So that was, it was a neat connection, neat lady. She's studied lions in Africa. She worked with Mother Teresa. She ended up coming back to the States and she bought a gift shop in Jackson Hole back in the 70s before Jackson Hole was Jackson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then bought two buildings. So now that's basically her, her retirement. Oh, yeah. Because that's how that exploded. But she really couldn't give me a whole lot of information. She's like, I met Roberto once, which was his my birth father's name. So I, at least in the letter, I got a name. Yeah, so, Roberto. <laughs> you know, excited, but you're like, okay, Roberto, Puerto Rican. There's <laughs> no luck. Roberto Puerto Ricans out there at all. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't get my hopes up too much. So she's like, well, I'll ask your birth. You know, I'm going to be seeing her in about two months. When we sit down and talk, I'll ask her. So she asked her and she goes, I don't remember. How? Well, hmm. uh, we know where this is, you know, yeah. I'm like, nope, got it. You're engaged to someone, but you don't remember. Exactly. Yeah. So I told my aunt, I'm like, don't push it anymore. I don't want it to affect your personal relationship to keep pushing. So for years, I just kind of just let it go. Never really kind of thought about it because I kept doing searches and for a couple of years on the internet, you know, dead ends and ancestry had just kind of come on board. So it's kind of, is it legit? Is it not legit type of thing? So kind of go on, it was probably about three years ago. Are you familiar with Ryan John? He's a podcaster out of Australia. Mm -mm. He posted a video on Facebook and he's adopted. And on Mother's Day, and he does a video for Mother's Day for his birth mother saying, hey, I may never get to meet you, but thank you for what you've given, given me life, giving me the opportunity to what I have. So that kind of sparked my interest. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Because he was going to do Ancestry DNA. Ah. So I'm like, oh, well, I'll give it a shot based on what I saw there. So got the Ancestry DNA kit, did all that, mailed it in, and only had really two decent hits. I had one that was a first cousin that was, I think, like 800 centigrams. And then the other one was maybe like 350. Mm -hmm. and it wasn't, and it was not as good as it is now either. Like now, it's really like. Oh you know, yes, by far yes, yeah, not near as sophisticated, accurate, dialed in, and accurate yeah. as it was then. So, didn't have a whole lot of hope. I emailed the two closest ones and basically told him that I'm like, "You're my two closest matches. I know his first name. I know where he worked. I know he was from Puerto Rico. I know his birth date, his siblings' birth dates, that sort of thing." But that's about it. Do you have anybody in your family tree that would match his name? Do you have an uncle, uh, a first cousin, something like that? And didn't hear anything for six to nine months from either. Oh, wow. so kind of again, like, all right, well, I'm <laughs> kind of done. And again, Ryan John, he had posted another video that he actually finds his birth father and reunites with them. In he lives in London now, has several siblings and was very receptive and, you know, it was an overall good experience. And I'm like, all right, (laughs) more time reached out to those two people via email. And the one came back and said, Hey, no, look through all the trees, ask family members. Nope. We don't have anybody in that tree. So about another month later, I get an email from the other one and she shoots me an email and she goes, well, She's, I was waiting for the family to reach out to you because they're closer, but and it seems like they must not be ready yet, but I am. Oh, she's like, Your birth father was my uncle, my dad's brother. Wow. And, oh, so <laughs> here, here we go. Did but, she know this originally when you sent her, but she was waiting? Yes. Yep. She mm-hmm. 
No, they basically behind the scenes. What I didn't know was one of the four siblings ended up doing an ancestry DNA test just to confirm that it was a match. And it came back like 1980-something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the funny thing is, my sister told my cousin, who was the one that reached out, she's like, I really don't know why we're doing the Ancestry DNA. She goes, he looks just like that. Oh. <laughs> so, so, yeah, she gave me a little bit of information, unfortunately, that he had passed away about mm-hmm. five years prior. But just kind of gave me a little bit of background about him and about her dad and kind of about her and the family. So. So that was great to kind of put some pieces to the puzzle together. And then actually funny, today is the day that my half-sister emailed me and reached out for the first contact. Oh, it's the anniversary. Kind of interesting to have a podcast telling the story on yeah. the day it actually happened. Oh, today? Literally today? Literally today. And how long had it been since you had gotten in touch with your cousin? It was about probably three months after when I had contact with my cousin to when my sister reached out. And a lot of that was just the ancestry DNA waiting for those results. Right. Wow. So now you're in contact with everybody. Yes. So now I'm just like, Oh, here we go. Um, (laughs) And it was one of those. She said, Hey, here's, it's a short email. Yes. Related did the ancestry DNA test. She's like, I'm more old school. She's like, I would rather, talk on the phone, then email back and forth. I'm like, perfect. That's kind of what I would like to do too, because you kind of go in different avenues. Once you start talking on the phone, you know, station will take you here and there compared to say like a text or an email. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I'm just shaking (laughs) what to say, what to do, the rejection part. Again, she's going to like me. Is she going to accept me? Don't say something stupid. (laughs) all those things that go through your head. So when I called her up and talking for the first few minutes, it was like somebody I'd known all my life. We just hadn't talked in like a year or two. Wow. So it's always so crazy that it is. And you know, that's where my adoptive dad even made the comment. He says, see, that's, he goes, that's genetics. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way things are. And so for the next three plus hours, uh, (laughs) we talked on the phone just about our lives, families, asking a lot of questions about my birth father and his history and stuff like that. So how did he die? Heart attack. Hi. Yep. And so that was the health history part is, unfortunately, he passed away from a heart attack. His brother, which is my cousin's dad, he passed away from a heart attack in his 40s. Mm. My grandfather on my mother's side died of a heart attack. Her brother died of a heart attack. She's had a heart attack and a stroke. So you know what to watch. Yeah, you definitely. <laughs> oh, yes. That I've is some valuable information. Yeah. All these things done. Diabetes was another one that was runs in the family. So I have that as well. So it was good to at least get some of those things found out. So I've gotten tested for a lot of things, but also had my daughter tested as well, especially for diabetes and things like that. Just more for the future. And, yeah. did, and were they all in Puerto Rico? Or where did they live at this time? They lived all over. So... With him with Xerox, he ended up being the VP there. So they lived in South America, Puerto Rico, or Connecticut. They kind of moved all over. So yeah, kind of just very interesting paths. So two of my siblings are now in California and two of them are in Florida. And have you met? met? Yeah. (laughs) Here's the big one. (laughs) Met one. So my half-sister who I talked on the phone, shortly after we talked, then we were texting literally probably 20 times a day. Oh. Uh, it off, our personalities are very, very much alike. So ultimately, I'd say we pretty much become best friends, which is awesome. That's uh, pretty cool. Finding somebody who's very much like you. Yeah. And that's how I am with my half-sibling, too. I mean, it's just crazy how similar we are and similar humor. and. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, just even laughs and looks uh-huh. like that. So three aren't quite ready yet, which is, I mean, hey, that's okay. I mean, this is a lot to deal with. How much younger are they? Oh, let's see. One is like two years. It's like two, five, like seven and nine are the Mm. differences. Any brothers? Two brothers, two sisters. And so the one that you're close to, is she the one closest in age to you? No, she's the middle. 
She's the middle. And the other yeah. three, they're just not ready yet. Yes. And have they written so, letters or done anything? Yeah, or I did. Just and, you know, it's one of those things, you know, I don't want to push. As I've told my sister, it's like, look, I never thought I was going to be able to find any of you. So one is great. And along with my sister, I'll kind of get to that now that we did go visit her. So during these conversations and phone calls and the texts, she's like, just one day she goes, so when are we going to meet? <laughs> like, oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> so then that nerve wracking part comes of, again, okay. the rejection part of going down there to see them and are they going to like me and will I fit in? And just all those things that go through your head as an adoptee pretty much all through life. You feel like a little kid again, don't you? It's like, yes. Oh, yeah. Just vulnerable. You know, kind of some scary things of thinking back, you know, as a kid, just trying to be accepted. Yeah. And especially, you know, we booked a hotel, got our flights, sent all that stuff to her. And she's like, well, why don't you stay here at the house? Okay. <laughs> really? I'm like, are you sure? You know, it's one of those, again, of the rejection piece. You stay there. They don't like you. <laughs> yeah. happens. You know, it's just all these things start going through your head. And so I'm like, you know what? All right. Leap of faith here. Let's do it. So we end up flying down to Florida to see them. And this is actually kind of a little bit of a funny story that we get in a little bit early down in Florida. So I text her and say, hey, we're going to grab a bite to eat and then we'll be over since because we got in, I think about an hour and a half early for some ungodly reason. Airlines that, are. That's rare. <laughs> yeah. Yes, very rare. So we decided we look at some restaurants close to them. There was a Jewish deli close. We're like, oh, we'll go there. Well, lines out the door. So we see a Wendy's across the street, like, well, we'll just go grab a sandwich and then we'll head on over. And we walk into the door and my wife goes, there's your sister in Chalo. I'm like, what are you talking about? All I see is retiree, you know, blue hair. I'm not seeing my sister, whatever. Lo and behold, they're in Wendy's. No. Wendy's? Yep. So there there was a car wash next to the Wendy's reunion. (laughs) <laughs> they dropped their cars off to get the car wash and they came in sandwich. So that pressure of a video of the meet and greet and all that was kind of taken out, which was fine. Because nice. Yeah. Stress level was you know, <laughs> wow. so worried. So I think people in Wendy's were kind of like, what the heck is <laughs> no lobby of Wendy's, you know, because we're <laughs> hugging and all this stuff. So so I do now have a special place in my heart for Wendy's. Yeah. <laughs> Although with your heart, with your potential heart problems, I'd stay away. Exactly. I'm like, all right, get the Baconator and a Frost. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so, yep. So then we have, we just finished eating and then go over to her house and, you know, really have that more of a moment as far as the hug and just more relaxed atmosphere. So spent the night there cooking dinner, talking, getting to know each other, finding out that my birth father was big into food and the culinary, which that's my background and my job, and always yeah. a restaurant. Well, just before he passed, my two sisters and him were looking at buying a restaurant. Wow. That's just kind finding of out all these so weird how that is. things that, that you were like. And throughout the night, my sister and my brother-in-law just kept having to like grab each other and Stop talking like his facial expressions. He's his hands. He's moving his hands like, yeah. So it was just kind of, they said it was weird, but it was in a good way. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. So you're still obviously in touch and. Oh, yes. Great trip. And did your biological mother. So I'm assuming no contact in all these years. She's she's really never come around. I haven't pushed the issue. Uh, Are you still in touch with your aunt? Yes. Yep. Did you update them as to all of this? Oh, yes. Uh-huh. She was very excited. And the funny thing is my daughter is in a field similar with hers as far as she did a lot of research and rehab with animals and things like that. So my daughter is a marine biologist down in Florida, and she's currently rescuing in the rehab of manatees. Oh, yeah. That's been a fun connection, just telling her all about what my daughter's been doing. My grandparents lived on the manatee pocket. Oh, the adopted okay. grandparents, uh, yes. where they do have the rescue center. Yep. That's so did um, did your birth mother have any other kids? She did not. That and was, never like that was 
kind of weird that she didn't want to reach out. Yeah. Because, you know, Deep I wounds maybe. Yeah. Um, just shut down. And I, I think so. Just some of the information I got from my aunt was my aunt said she lived her life by what their mother told her is don't let a man run your life, you know, mm. your life. So that's what she did. She goes, Bonnie, on the other hand, she goes, kind of lived life ruled by the men she was with. Mm-hmm. She goes, currently, Don, who's her husband, doesn't know anything about you. Uh, uh oh, hope Don's not listening. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, yeah, that's one of those that, I'm like, all right, fine. You know what? I won't push it. Because not only did I find a sister, but that weekend we flew down, we Skyped with some of the other families. So, my cousins, my aunt. So, yeah, now we've, We've seen them multiple times and done wow. things. My one cousin's actually helped my daughter get a condo down in Florida. So it's been a fun trip with meeting some new family. And, and what, what about your biological? I mean, your adopted parents. Is your mom still alive or just your dad? Both of them are still alive. Yeah. Both, and have they met your family? They've talked to my sister via Zoom. Mm-hmm. So, yep. They That's hit cool. Off. My dad's excited at some point to meet her. So yeah, they, this, they, is a, this is a great, they've been very supportive and, and open. Yeah, so. that's really neat. That's I'm, really I'm neat. glad you have all this, especially in light of like the way your birth mother handled it. And, you know, I mean, you never know someone's wounds and how they. Oh cope, yeah. And I, you but, know, I'm trying but to kind of look at it like, through her eyes. Cause you know, as we dug through a lot of this, she came from a pretty predominant family in Wisconsin. Her dad was a high profile lawyer. He wrote a lot of law books and things like that. So you know, because they weren't married, they were engaged, but they weren't married and then broke it off. Was that an embarrassment, you know, mm-hmm. as having the baby? Because in the paperwork, it also said once she had the baby, she shipped out to the, on her Peace Corps job overseas again. Mm-hmm. So she didn't stick around home. She went off. It's almost so, like no one to, needs to know. Off yep, you know. Separate yeah. herself from everything that happened or any questions that would come up and it I sounds like she really yeah. compartmentalized. That's what I was going to say. I think she yeah. really put this in a box and yeah. Like, yeah. put that box at the top of the garage. Yeah. At that yes. cabinet door. That's and, and then you have somebody coming to try to peel the tape off that box a little <laughs> bit. And yeah. Maybe Don one day will open up that cabinet. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Who knows? <laughs> Uh, this is what a great story, Matt. Really, it shows, you know, as bad as Facebook can be, this is one of the great things because yes. we were able to connect with you and hear your story. And oh my gosh, it was, it's been neat that. And it's us. kind of one thing that I documented my story I was, as I was going along on my Facebook page. And it was interesting to find out a lot of people who went to school with, whether it be high school or college, but I had no idea that they were adopted. Oh, we've had that too. We've had, you know, emails so it would from be kind friends. of one of those things that yeah. you know, if we would have known that could have given us a different bond than what, just a friendship that we had in, in high school and college. And actually one of them, the gals, she actually reinstituted her search based on what happened with me and ultimately found her birth mother and her sisters. She just got married this year and her mom and her siblings were at her wedding. So it's just been, that part has been really neat helping some other people too, kind of get. Yeah. Yeah. It's really great. You put it out there and then you don't know who you're affecting and there's a whole community, a whole community. Yeah. We both had friends from our past write us that, you know, I wasn't close to in school and Sarah wasn't either. And you're like, wow, that's really, maybe we weren't ready to meet that. Like now is the time to bond that we're talking about it or it's just. And I I think so because as teenagers and even young adults in your twenties, you just, yeah. Are you truly ready ready for that as far as building a relationship and even looking at the other side, would my siblings have been like my sister, would she have been ready 20 years ago when I first started this search? Right. right. Probably not. Probably not. Um, yeah. And your other siblings you know, are still getting ready. I mean, it's still yes. a thing. Yeah. You know, and it sounds the, like that'll, that'll happen at some point. I, I think so. I hope so. At some point, as my other cousin said, she goes, you know, and this is one of those things that you maybe hear sometimes talking to different people, but it's one of those, you love hearing it, but it's also, (laughs) she made the comment, if Bob would have known about you, you would have been with him. And it's, you're like, oh, you know, (laughs) things were wonderful, you know, but thanks for sharing that with me too. Yeah. 
gives you insight of who he was as a person. It's a weird sliding doors thing too, because you're excited to hear that, but you feel like, oh, but I have my family. You know, it's a right, yeah. So a little guilt, conflicted, but it's yeah. but it, yeah. So I mean, so depending yeah, on just, your family, brought situation. a lot of different, <laughs> right. a lot of emotions, a lot of different soul searching and just thought processes into things, and trying to not go, you know, because looking at how I reached out to my birth mother for the first time, yeah. you know, looking at it now at 50 compared to when I was 30 definitely would have done it differently. Yes. But it all kind of is what it is, right? And Right. Will you please keep us posted on when your other yes. siblings do are yes, ready to meet you? I will, for sure. We definitely want to hear about it. Yes. And when you hear from Don as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, oh, that could be, you know, very interesting. So. <laughs> it's funny how you have the things. I mean, if we met you, how we just met you, we had a little pre-interview and talked to you and you're, you're just outgoing and you do sales, you know, you're very, you wouldn't get that inside. You still have the same thing Sarah and I talked about when we were all young, you know, that shy and do I fit in and the insecurities and all these things. It's like, oh yes. we all have them. It doesn't matter. That's the common. No. And you know, it's kind of interesting just finding out some of the personality traits that I, you know, maybe kind of, I wouldn't say hid, but just didn't know I had inside myself or kind of was wanting to try to, to creep out all of a sudden is like, Oh, there's a reason why, you know, yeah. now it is like my sister, like my dad and things like that. So yeah. Yeah. Or where did I get these likes from? I went to college for this because that's what everybody kind of geared me towards, but always had the pull towards food and cooking for people and things like that. A natural thing for that. Since high school. And then coming to find out that's what he was about. So that's funny. It's just interesting the little things you find as you go through all this. Well, you've enriched their lives, I'm sure, because you're a neat person. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> I think it's been both. Yeah. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Open me up more as well, too. So, well, we've loved this. We loved getting to know you. And yes, so, it's been fun I'm listening so to your podcast, listening to di- people's different stories, because that's the fun thing about it, too, is every story is different. Every story. Every story yeah, is different. And then there's different. something similar, and yet they're the same. We were all babies relinquished. Yes. I mean, therein lies the similarity. That's a pretty heavy, deep thing, you know? It is, especially with your show. It's also lending support to people. Yes. Just listening to it and just being able to relate to some of the topics that you're talking about or the situations. And, oh, I'm not just the only one. You know, there's other people through some of the things that are similar and just helps them get through some of those things. It helps them. It helps us. Sarah and I are learning as we go. So it's, yeah. Uh, oh, it's, I bet. Yeah. Peeling, I mean, peeling back more layers as we <laughs> yeah. come out of the fog. You know? That is for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much. I mean, well, thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. Uh, a great and, time. And stay in touch with us and let us yes, know. Yes, I will keep you posted as things go along and things change. Yes. I'm happy for you though. It's really, yes. you seem like you're just so thrilled and happy. So it's nice I, to see. I am. It is um, nice yeah. to see. You kind of feel like you've, as an adoptee, I mean, great family that I've had, but also when you kind of find some of that biological family, it's, you kind of know where you are from, Yeah, where you belong in some instances, you know, it's just, yeah, yeah, it's neat. It kind of closes a chapter too, you know, especially when I visited my birth father's grave, it was the closing of a chapter of searching for 20 plus years and kind of putting that to bed, but then also, you know, kind of celebrating his life and then moving on and going on to the next chapter of with my siblings, my cousins and everybody else. Oh yeah. And it's neat for your daughter too. Oh, it is. Yep. Yeah. She's got all lots of family. family down there. Yes. Yeah, that's so great. Another oh. support system. Yeah, never can have too much of that. Oh no. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Thank, Matt. thank you Matt. very much. I appreciate it. Great having you. Talk to you yes. soon. Well, all talk right. Soon. Sounds great. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Well, that was really interesting. What a great guy Matt is. I just enjoy him so much. Yeah, he's he's so nice and just so genuine, and and he handled that second rejection by his birth mother with such grace, you know? It's a good word. That's a good word, grace. Because he's just, his personality is so loving. And you can tell that he had a lot of emotions about it, but he was like, well, that's okay. You know? Yeah. I'm so happy that his biological dad's family is close to him now. It's neat. I know that gives him something. And you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe one day she will come around. Yeah, with the relationship with the aunt. Yeah, you never and know. I mean, you never know. Life and is also, long. 
also shows the neat his adoptive parents how, how supportive they are. Yeah, I mean, he said it sounds like it's about as the best case scenario that it can be. You know, going into a loving, yeah, adopted home, and with the exception of his birth mother. Yeah, saying, it's a good... oh, but again, you know, we don't know. He does. You never know. No, there's a lot of things that go with that, as we know. Well, another good one, Sarah. Another good Loved one. It. <laughs> I do too. I like all of them. Me too. We have great guests. All right. We'll yes. talk soon. Bye. Okay. Until next time. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening today. And remember, if you'd like to share your stories or suggest any guests for our show, you can find us on all the socials at the Making of Me podcast. And again, we have a Patreon page so that we can continue to bring these great adoption stories to you. So if you want to find that and donate or contribute in any way, find us at patreon.com searching adoption colon the making of me. Bye. See you next time.